Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. I'm Dave Convery. With me, Roger Hart. Hello. Lucy Boys. Yo. Lucy, what have you been reading? I've been reading Marquis. Marquis, the Tony Millionaire. The Tony Millionaire, with, with Drinky Crow and Uncle Wars's face. And this is because I basically demanded that you read it. You did. You, you did. Don't. You gave me the very long books. And you don't like it. It's not that I dislike it. it. I don't think I gave it enough of a shot to really get the tone and the idiom and for it to seep into my consciousness and make me a bad person. I think it is very much an acquired taste, mm. isn't it? Did you see the one about baptising the lost years' souls? I did not see that one. I should perhaps have read on, or perhaps not. My my, my gentleman friend was very enamoured of it, though, because he's a really bad dude. For anyone who hasn't uh, encountered it, it's basically the tales of a sock monkey called Uncle Gabby and a crow called Drinky Crow, um, both of which he also does as children's characters in slightly off-kilter kid stories, but this is basically like a three-panel newspaper strip. Mm-hmm. Um and it's fucking horrible. Um, it sort of almost looks like woodcut. It's mm. such uh, concentrated lines. The stories are genuinely horrible. They're sort of pirates. Sort of. Maybe. Yeah, but in a variety of different settings that don't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, in one they're on a steamboat and suddenly then they're out in the ocean and, and ain't no steamboats in the ocean. Yeah. And there's that horrible one where Uncle Gabby's just sniffing his sweaty feet because he likes it and then Drinky Crow just beats him to death. There is that. Do the sub-comics continue? No. Okay. So every, on every every single one, there's another little strip running underneath, because they are fucking intricate to the point of absurdity. They're mm. almost like medieval manuscripts, but with dick jokes. Mm. Um, more dick jokes. More dick jokes, yes. Sorry, medieval people. I was forgetting your capacity for smart. I won't do it again. A good point, um, mate. Yeah, we don't want to offend the medieval guys. They're quite heavily armed. I was and they've got diseases. Time travel. Yeah. 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 We don't. Yeah. We, we, we want to avoid all of that business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like Mackey's. It's just the right sort of weird for me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they've just issued, Fantagraphics have just issued a big collection of Tony Millionaire's uh, Sock Monkey stuff, which is a more realistically drawn Sock Monkey version of Uncle Gabby having fantastical adventures that are just nowhere near as deranged. Okay. Who, who is Tony Millionaire and why? Tony Millionaire is a crazy old man. Um, he's not that old. He's okay. about 50. But he's um, he's just someone who's been knocking out these comics it's sort of from the old comic scene. And now he's one of the grand old men okay. of the old comic scene. Um, he is much beloved of Fantagraphics and the Comics Journal and that. Mm-hmm. Those guys. Those that, guys. That take the shit seriously, guys. Where is he um, from? Somewhere in America. Okay, he's not from here. No, okay. no, he's he's definitely American. So we're safe. We're safe. In yeah, our we're broadly scenario. safe. Okay. Yeah, from from Tony Millionaire at mm-hmm. least. Yes, Roger. Who do you think you're going to be assaulted by in your sleep? <laughs> Warren Ellis. Yeah, that could happen without a doubt. That's just a statistical likelihood. That's just ambient risk. You can get insurance. Yeah, you. I mean, you used to live on a in a two story building, and he has got a gammy leg. That is good protection against Warren Ellis. But yeah, now, but I now have a ground floor flat. Basically, it's inevitable at this point. It's just a question of when. I and just, with what? I mean, what, what is he going to slip up us? It could be anything. Why did I move to a bungalow? Nobody told me of the Warren Ellis situation before I gave up my stairs willingly. Disclaimer, I honestly do not believe that I'm going to be assaulted in my sleep by Warren Ellis. But it would be fucking hilarious. I might pay him to do it. 
Do you think he'd be up for that? Does he need the money? No. I don't think no. he does. I don't think he does. No. I do think he'd he did for the shits and giggles. Yeah, he'd think it was hilarious. Anyway, what have you been reading? Um, I have been reading um, Prophet's third volume. Yep. Very, very right. good. A bit more measured than some of the others. Ooh. Yeah, slowing mm. down, getting into an arc plot sort of thing. That sounds good. The things that happen are somewhat connected to the other things that happen. I see. It's this yeah. this novel yeah. the series. Yeah. yeah, it looks gorgeous. Again, it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I been reading? The artwork seems to jump around a lot more, like page by yeah. page now, rather than sort of every half issue or okay. every issue. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. I don't think we need to go into any more. We've rambled, rambled about profit a lot, but it was great. No, I mean, it, is, it is changing a little. It is becoming more of a kind of, you know, <clears throat> more of a story comic, I guess. It, it's tying up a little bit, and it's making itself make a bit more sense. But it's still doing a great job of keeping the weirdness and the kind of immediate weirdness that really sold me on the series. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Brandon Graham said that it actually is going to be a finite series. Oh, so brilliant. They are going somewhere with it. Mm. Which is, and you, you sort of you're starting to, despite the fact that they're kind of all assholes, you're sort of starting to feel for the characters a bit more. Yes, I um, mean they broadly don't have a choice a lot yeah. of the time, especially um, old John Prophet. Yes, who isn't in this volume, interestingly, or well, not really, not not nowhere near as much as previously. Not not heavily, no. no. It's it, it's kind of the story of a whole different bunch of Prophet clones. Yeah, hmm. and one of them who. Uh, it's it's not too spoilery to suggest that it's he's being positioned as being on a similar character trajectory to the young version of old John Prophet that brought him there. That's that's cool. Um, what else have I been reading? I have been uh, we talked about Uzumaki last time, didn't we? We did, yeah. yeah. I've been reading Judge, which is a manga series by um, Yoshiki Tanoge, Tanogai, Tanogi. Um, you're making it sound like verb practice. I, I have no idea. But anyway, it's it's a... It's you no gay. She He, they, it. Tanogai. We're just conjugating a dude. Possibly, yes. I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea if you're being racist at this point. I'm very confused. No, no. I was just... Being racist? Know. No, no. I was just criticising his pronunciation. Pick one. No. Okay. Can't it be both? Probably Probably. Not. Well, it's transliterated, of course. Oh, well, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, it's, so he um, he did a manga series that I think got turned into an anime uh, that was a bit of a hit a few years ago, which is kind of the prequel to... The, uh, this is the kind of thematic but not linear story sequel to... I can't remember what it's called. Um, What's it about? It's about a kind of ARG video game that ends up sort of becoming a bit murderous and through the course of it people either hunting or being hunted by, I can't remember exactly, a serial killer, but that's what the previous one is. It's called, um, the original, the full title was, oh, I can't remember what it's called, well, I'll, I'll look it up and we'll put it in the show notes. But this is a, it's a thematic sequel. It's creepy as balls, it features, it opens with a little vignette story about a guy with a crush on his brother's girlfriend who ends up trying to kind of, I guess, confess his love to her and, you know, in the hope that she'll fall for him. And to do this, he kind of uh, meddles a little bit and cancels, cancels one of their dates or arranges for the brother to turn up an hour late. And in doing that and in rushing for a train, the brother gets hit by a truck and the kid feels just massively guilty about this. Then flashes forward and he wakes up in a kind of really nasty, grubby, locked room. 
um, wearing a giant rabbit head, like a carnival, a creepy carnival animal, like furry suit style rabbit head. Eventually gets let out of the room and finds himself in a room with 12 other people who are all wearing different kinds of animal heads. And it's just creepy. They then get told that um, there's a timer on the wall, and every time it ticks down to zero, they will have to nominate one of their number to be killed. Please deal with this situation. It sort of progresses. Um, the way it's paced, you sort of you wonder if it's going to resolve itself in the first volume, and it doesn't. The first volume is actually very tight, and I think the whole series is quite long. I believe it's finished running in Japan. There are something like six volumes, three available in the UK, and maybe two the others becoming available later in the year. This was a gift from my, my partner who knew that we were going to be looking at manga at some point and thought it sounded interesting. He's kind of more into this stuff than I am. And yeah, it's it's a little slight in the middle, like the midsection of the first volume doesn't quite live up to the quality of the premise or the writing at the beginning, but it is good, it is worth a look, and being manga it's kind of like disposable money. Um, I think it's about six quid on Amazon or something, maybe a bit less. It's good when things cost no money, hmm. like that. Yes. Well, this is part of the big success of the Tokyo Pop stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, round about two thousand. Well, I suppose what, what, when, were the, when were they peaking? Like two thousand six to ten. Two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the fact that it was sort of pocket money for a lot of yeah. reasonably well-off kids. They got yeah, like it, it, it was middle-class pocket money. They they got reasonable-sized volumes at, at horrible print quality down mm-hmm. to sort of four fifty to six fifty. Yeah. So. And just endless quantities of Naruto. Yep. For everyone to enjoy. Yeah. Naruto's still going, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fizz, they won't let that one die. And I was, um, surprising amount of Naruto-related online written erotica. I've Maybe not a surprising amount, given no, how I've, much Naruto I've is read and how, some of it. how yeah. fanish the manga culture is generally. Yeah. Also, isn't there something like the, the sort of fox god that the character's based on? Isn't there something inherently sexual in the mythology of that? Wouldn't surprise Maybe. me. I don't know. Well, he's it's just he's a dude in his pajamas kicking the shit out of people. It's fine. <laughs> um, I've probably read some other stuff. Uh, Nowhere Men, which I mm. thought wouldn't be bollocks and was kind of bollocks, and now I'm very confused. Yeah, so that upset me because I thought I, I bought a couple of issues of that when it came out and thought the principle, which is the, the basic idea is that science is the new rock and roll, and it's sort of set in a sort of alternative 60s where four scientists. Um, are going to change the world, and they're kind of treated like the Beatles, although they have other rock star um, personas. One of them's quite clearly Sid Barrett, for example. Did I read the first issue of that? Possibly, no, yeah. yeah. I think I did. Yes, you did, because you really hated the uh, newspapery bits of oh, it. Oh, God, it was appallingly written. Yeah, this really fucked me off. Yeah. But the comic is quite, but not that well written, with some really clumsy bits, and then it's cut The sort of metatextual with... content yeah. is awful. There's, there's newspaper strips and there are excerpts from a book about these guys, and they're terrible. And what's worse is they supply bits of the plot that the comic should be fucking supplying. Yeah, it's like, here's your exposition. Mm. We wrote it in a newspaper for you. Enjoy the comic. Yeah. So the idea of the Fantastic Four are a like, 60s-style four-piece mm. rock and roll band. I like that. I think there's, a, there's got to be a good comic that takes that exact same principle and does it well, but No Women certainly wasn't it for me. It's, I don't want to get too down on it, because I kind of like the art, and it's got beautiful graphic design, and the premise is imaginative. The covers were always brilliant. Um, that's one thing about it. The cover to the trade is rocking some fairly iffy gender politics. Yeah. So it's beautifully, it's beautifully designed, very precisely kerned Helvetica in a couple of weights. 
I bet um, you felt good about that. Yeah, black on white, right line for the titles, uh, and then there's a sort of very simple geometric graphic design snaking around um, around a flat white page. Then on top of it is a sort of caricature groupie in a semi-hips-out broken-back pose, unzipping a jumpsuit pretty much down to a snatch, um, revealing a t-shirt saying, science is the new rock and roll. Unseen from the shop to the knaves, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And she's got this, like, sex doll face expression, Ugh. and it's just... Right, the comic doesn't feel sexist. It doesn't feel like it's got a problem. None of the rest of it feels like this. It just looks like someone... Slap some tits on there to sell copies. Yeah, and it just, oh, it rankles. It really cheap, does. Cheap titillation for the teenage boys and Helvetica for you. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I bought it for the Helvetica. And for the press. It's, like, oh, I struggled a bit because it like, should so be better. You can, you can see both Helvetica and tits online. You don't need to buy... Oh, but Shall yeah, but Helvetica is a really bad web font. It doesn't work nicely and... Jesus Christ. Down the rabbit hole already. Sorry. Would you like to hear about the sherry? Yeah, what, what, what is this booze you are shoving in front of us? Well, so today's... <laughs> I really forced that. Um, today's podcast, why, is a bit of a departure. We've gone for sherry because I fucking love sherry. It is a Palo Cotado from Gonzalo's Bias. They're both holding it I like, up. I like that we are, we are holding it up. So. As though this were the so, telly and them Oz Clark. It's so, got a nice amber colour to it. Gonzalo's Bias are one of the, the good sherry producers. This is their Leonor Palo Cotado. Um, it's um, 12 years old. It's not that expensive, actually. It's about 12, 13 pounds. Um, and for those of you uh, listening at home, it looks like both Mr. Hart and Mr. Comrie want to stick their dicks I in it. I really do. It's fucking it gorgeous. Is, it is very tasty. It does kind of look like um, piss after a long day. So, so like, sherry is very unfashionable because a lot of people think they don't like it. A lot of people think they don't like it because it's either too sweet or it's off. Sherry doesn't keep. It doesn't fucking keep. If you leave it open, it just goes off. You need to refrigerate it. You need to drink it quickly. Treat it as a wine. It's a fucking wine. Treat it as a wine, unless it's really sweet and meant to be sweet. But this is—you treat this like a wine. It's—it's—it's it's, it's got a little bit of darkness. Um, Palo Cotado is like a fino. Um, so no one knows a, what that means. Fino is a very pale, very dry sherry. It's very fresh. It's gorgeous on a summer afternoon. Spanish for chill. fine. <laughs> we would never have known. Sherry is. <laughs> you keep me on board. So sherry is one of the ways sherry is made. Is at the top of the cask, you have this layer of it's, it's kind of yeast. It's called floor, and that sort of keeps the oxygen out and helps it mature and adds flavour. And sometimes it'll suddenly die off, and the sherry will start to oxidise. Floor means flower. And if they get to it quickly or bloom, enough, presumably. Or bloom, presumably, yeah. if they get to it quickly enough, they can bottle it, and that's Palo Cotado. So it, it's a it's a fino that is slightly oxidised, and it brings in a bit of dark colour and just a slight nutty note. The flavour is really complicated. It's oh god, this is fucking delicious. So basically, what you're saying is that we have booze and they don't. Mm. They might have booze. They might. Future radio. They have yeah. booze and they like it. And if they read the show notes before reading the podcast, they might even have gone out to get some of this booze. How likely do you think that is? I think that's that's never going to happen in a million years. So that was a pretty weird digression even by our standards, right? Yeah, but it is good sherry. You should go and buy it. Would you um, like to know what comics I've read? No, not really. No, um, no, of course you wouldn't. You can buy it online. Also, Cambridge Wine Merchants. Fine, tell us about your fucking comics. Fine in Spanish is fino, which is a type of sherry. You wouldn't say that also to be fine in the same context, though. Are we going to get into some kind of sherry loop? Because that's not good podcast. He looks so defeated, it's glorious. He's looked more defeated. I know, but... Yeah, pretty pretty thwarted, I guess. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. We, we did have a listener request. I forgot to quite fulfil it, but I am supposed to yell wonky spoon and slap you. 
Can I talk about beef shoes? If you like. Just just once, I would like to make a podcast where I'm not, broadly speaking, the victim of that podcast. Um, the victim of beef shoes? What are beef shoes? <laughs> shoes made of beef. Uh, what? I'm going to talk about beef shoes later. Well, my shoes are made of leather. Kind of like beef, but that's not yeah, what I mean. They're also not. They're, they're converse, but... Uh, I have shoes made of leather, like a real grown-up would, um, for going to fancy places like churches. Um, Why do you go to church? Because people get married fires. and starting fires, and sometimes I have a goth relapse and need to pee in a cemetery. Tell us about your comics. Okay. Yeah, this is this is how I get back on track. I disgust you with bodily fluids, and then I'm allowed to talk about the shit I want to talk about. Just gently puking on Roger until he lets you talk. <laughs> yeah. 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 I read um, Downset Fight, uh, which is by Chris Sims, Chad Bowers, and someone whose name I can't pronounce, really sorry dude, uh, Scott Kowalchuk. I'm pretty sure he's a white guy though, so it's okay, he's Canadian, I'm allowed to get his name wrong. Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? Yes. Okay. Canadians wouldn't mind, they're very polite. We think it's Kowalchuk. I'm not sure I would like the art. Um, you might, I don't know. So basically Downset Fight is... Um, there's a guy, uh, he's a sort of college football player and he's probably going to be a massive star until he loses his temper and punches a mascot. Um, and it turns out that he basically has massive, massive issues from his father's incredibly abusive um, raising of him. But he gets his father put in jail for leaving a massive gambling ring. Um, when his father gets out, yeah. When his father gets out, he sets up a new gambling ring, um, in which he has replaced all mascots in professional football with hardened criminals, and they all set out in order um, to find Chuck and to fight him. So it's a basically like um, Scott Pilgrim, but with fighting mascots with, and gambling with, with people with massive heads attacking a man. It's also presumably got a premise that means that it's not going to do some of the horrible gender stuff that Scott Pilgrim did. Yeah, it avoids that. That's good. Um, basically, it's it's quite short. I think it's like a five-issue run. Um, I don't know if they're going to do any more, but I read it as a trade, and it's really good fun, um, because there is nothing funnier than a man punching people with giant foam heads on. It's, it's just inherently funny. I can believe that. Um, but it's actually also a really well-written comic. The stuff with the abusive father is actually quite well-written. Um... I would recommend it. I would I'm, recommend I'm always it to... up for well-written abuse. Yes. Um, I, w- I would heartily recommend that one. Um, I bought it honestly thinking that it was going to be broad comedy, but I actually think I preferred the slightly smarter thing that it turned out to be. Um, you liked the thing you got. That's nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Paid my money and got the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new volume of Fatal out. Uh, oh, I fuck. I forgot to buy that. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. Fatal's still good. That that's pretty much it. Still good. good. It's ending soon, which is also a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I want it to stop, but you know, it's nice you don't to want have it to drag on. Yeah, it's always nice to have an end end point in sight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better that these things don't drag on. Um, the Unwritten has another volume out as well, which is another thing I very much like. How many volumes of that now? Eight, I oh, think. Cocking hell! And then I read the, the first one and forgot. Crossover with Fables um, as well. Ooh, is Fables uh, good I no now? I haven't read Fables in a very long time. I, um, I got up, I think eight or nine volumes into Fables. Did very much enjoy it, but there was some 
iffy politics in there. Yeah, that was which my I main didn't, issue. didn't really get on with. Um, I mean, I can kind of ignore that, but it, it kind of naturally fizzled out for me. I stopped buying it as it came out. But the unwritten I'm still on, it's still very good. It's a bit of a slow burn. It takes a while to really see what's going on and where it's going, but it's at that point now, which is kind of the sweet spot where there's still mystery, but everything's kind of... You've got enough information to piece things together. Yeah. yeah. It's not I love doing... the story congeals. It's not... Yeah. yeah and getting to that point in Mass Effect, that's good. Yeah, that does feel good. Yeah. Yeah. There's something like Morning Glories, which is fun, but keeps introducing thing after thing after thing with huge, broad-reaching well, implications. It's not being lost, right? Yeah. Like Morning, Morning Glories <laughs> is very much lost. Um, okay. That was great. Yeah, um, really bad. Stop watching when there was a polar bear. Did I tell you about the how, the fact that it made me feel just deeply, deeply betrayed because it had a cinema trailer? No. So I, years and years ago, I saw a cinema trailer for Lost, and it looked beautiful, very artsy, people dancing on a beach. And the people it showed you and the way it presented it made me think it was a trailer for a really fucking sexy adaptation of The Tempest. I don't know why I got that idea. I mean, I think I was maybe at uni or just just left. You know, I was in in the sort of headspace where you could think that. But I genuinely believed that I was there. This was fuck. Oh, that looks gorgeous. It, my, it might be like a BBC thing. They're spending money on the assets. No, it's this fucking bullshit TV show about some kind of imaginary polar bear. I'm sorry if that laugh broke the mic, but it might that's have done. Pretty much how I felt. We'll check. That's um, just a beautiful story. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I do. If you ever, I know what that makes me look like. Bad. If you ever wonder what the beginning of a road that leads to you rapturous about Sherry looks like, that's basically it. That's his super villain origin story. Running through quickly, I read um, something called Delilah Dirk and the Turkish Lieutenant, which is really fun little adventure story. Which did you? That's in my tracking referral purchase history. Oh, did well, you buy it this week? I did buy it this week. So I read it um, a couple of years ago as a webcomic, and it was partway through as a webcomic when it got snapped up and um, published. So the original bits that were as a webcomic are now the preview, um, and you can now uh, buy the comic, and it's a beautifully made little thing. And if you like adventure stories and female leads and things that aren't stupid and are fun, it's good. Well, thank you for about 30 pence. Oh, you lucky man. You've had so much out of me out of animals and tracking referrals. Yeah. Is it similar to the French film about the pterodactyl lady? Uh, um, Adele Blancet. Adele Blancet. Yeah. Which is also a comic, we should point yeah. out. It's, it's um, fun. I like it. It's, it's broadly off that okay. idiom, yeah. Cool. It's, it's, um, it's pulpy adventure, mm-hmm. lots of locations, moving quickly. It's, it's, it's nice. Cool. Um, I like the sound of that. Yeah, I think you would enjoy it. You can have mine afterwards if you like. Thanks. Um... The one other thing that I read that I think I should talk about is the new Ms. Marvel. Oh, tell me about that, because I've been kind of ignoring it. So, well, you you could be wise to ignore it, because most of the internet discussion about it is, this is incredibly valuable, or I'm an enormous racist and I think it's bad because there are brown people in the comics. Brown people? I know, I know. So basically, I've been off Twitter today and fuck, I checked and now I'm glad. Yeah, it wasn't a good day. And, um... And everyone's a racist. Everyone's a racist now. Everyone's a huge racist. Yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's full of racists. Everyone's a dick. But Ms. Marvel. Yes. Um, so Ms. Marvel is uh, basically, because of the way that Marvel superheroes carry on, the name Ms. Marvel was abandoned a while ago when Ms. Marvel became Captain Marvel. She got a promotion. Um, so the new Ms. Marvel is sort of this teenage uh, Pakistani-American um, 
who idolizes the Avengers and and Captain Marvel in particular. Um, and what it's done is it's written by G. Waller Wilson, who is herself a convert to Islam. Um, and it's about basically it seems to be about identity and religion and how the expectations of society and family and so on around that whilst being a superhero. Um, although in the origin issue she's not, it's sort of setting up the supporting cast, which it does brilliantly because it actually goes into a whole load of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily go into. Like there's a very explicit sort of concern troll character, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very little has happened yet, but the artwork is stunning, and unfortunately I've forgotten the artist's name. I was going to say, who's, who's doing that? Um, I'm going to look it up, and then, uh, let's see. That, that, sounds, that sounds delightful on premise. Um, it is, so... As opposed to delightful in the cloud. Yes, the, as opposed to delightful as the surface. Yeah, the... Jesus the, fucking Christ, software nerds. Um, the, the character is uh, a polymorph as well, so obviously there's uh, stuff to play with there about identity and, and fitting in and oh I love the comment I saw which was something along the lines of she's a polymorph why wouldn't she choose to be white oh. <laughs> that that's was disgusting. amazing just kind of oh you people are the worst people that's like choosing to be gay right isn't oh. it surely they're just choosing not to be white yeah it's so much fun you know all that bumming the dancing yes so Carlos Alfano is the artist and um, oh good cover yeah the art the artwork's really great there's a lot of um, uh, really nice colouring, it's got this sort of weird glow about it. It's like McKelvey with more shading. That is McKelvey. Mm, it is. Uh, that, the one that you're looking at, that is McKelvey. Well, the other ones are a little bit. I was looking at the other one, if that helps. That My taste is better. That one's also McKelvey. Your taste They're all McKelvey? Issue 2 and 3 are, yeah. McKelvey's just learning to shade. He, di- he designed the character as well, so... Huh. Um, we do love McKelvey. We do, unlike everybody else in the comics industry. Anyway, hard to see where it's going, but that's it, it seems to be really really well written so far and uh, I thought it was quite a lot of fun and the character's origin story was not what I was expecting but ties into Marvel continuity quite nicely have you been reading anything else? no cool well that was easy right anyway so apparently we're going to talk about funny comics funny comics (laughs) yes because we're all such noted light hearted happy go lucky scamps we thought we would turn our roving eye to humour. Comics are meant to be funny, right? Yeah. Ha ha, tee hee. Garfield. Shut oh, the fuck sake. up. Garfield no. minus Garfield? Yes. Yeah, yeah is, but saying, saying Garfield, basically, that's like dropping Hitler into any other conversation. Garfield's law. Yes. Yeah, you just, just Garfielded the conversation. I did. Yeah. Podcast over. Podcast not over. Not over. Um, so, given that given that we've been doing this for a while, we haven't actually talked about any sort of funny comics at all, which is interesting because com- not surprising given our personality mix. We touched on the odd one, like some yeah. of the web comics have been funny. Sure. Um, I won't shut up about Warren Ellis, and it's often funny. But you know, they, for for a brief period in the nineteen thirties, they were exclusively funny, and now meant is, to be funny. There's yeah, a shit ton of by the 1930s standards, I mean, oh, some very little orphan humor. Annie. Fuck yeah, I, well, I was reading some crazy cat, and it's, those aren't jokes. I don't know what that is. That's postmodernism before postmodernism. You should be all over that fucking shit. Pre-postmodernism, just, I believe they call it. Just it doesn't really make yeah. sense. Weird for the sake of weird. I don't think that's postmodernism. I mean, I don't want to get essentialist on your ass because that wouldn't be postmodern. But yeah, it's okay. I was making a joke from The Simpsons. It's all right. 
Well, that is postmodern. I know. And making a joke about it is just doubly so. I'm, and I'm then just dissecting it endlessly is... is um, I wish someone would dissect me. Went to a dark place. Mm. So who likes Dilbert? Oh, fuck off. I mean, it can be funny. I find that its um, assertions about modern office life are very apposite. <laughs> That's not true. It's not fucking true. It's really not, but I do love Dogbert. This end Dilbert chat. Are you the voice of Dilbertian authority? Shut up. No so, more Dilbert. How about that XKCD, eh? I hear it's pretty funnier. A lot of cool people like it. Mm. There's probably less obvious stuff we can talk about, so this is going to be kind of a roundup of decent, funny comics. Um... You're kind of our resident webcomics expert. Yeah, because I read you, the same three things every day and talk about them on every podcast. Stricken with fear. <laughs> I don't like talking good about the funny books. <laughs> so I'd like to apologise to our like three listeners for how much of a shambles we are listeners. today. <laughs> you people are monsters. So, I, I, read right. the, I read the webcomics. Lucy, recommend... One funny comic right now. Aikwood. Okay. I talked about it before. I wrote a long blog post actually dissecting why it was funny. People should read that. Basically, mm. it's just... It's because it's got jokes in it, It's, isn't it's it? a That's cat the... with an erection. It's kind of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> just, I can't... Oh, God, how did he describe it? The, the cat jokes. described his... Shame. Erection. Yeah. It, was, it was the ladles that got me. The oh, kind of, he the tried fantasy that. about the ladles. <laughs> yeah. Nothing behind these four ladles. Who am I even kidding? Why am I a guy that needs three ladles? Just, yeah. Oh, it goes to the heart of it. The sad cat had sex optimism, but his wife got mad because he left a shit in the toilet. <laughs> so this, is, this is comedy. That's, that's, the sort of, that's the sort of old text you do not get with XKCD as well. So the reason for me that Aikwood works is that it has its own internally consistent, very odd idiom, which it maintains and builds upon and weaves into the fabric of the setting and the characters and that is the kind of thing I really like. Mm. So when I so the first kind of if you're reading it from the start, the first sort of year and a half, maybe two years are kind of tough going. He was he, Chris Onstadt, the guy who wrote and drew it, writes and draws it. I mean it's still going, but slowly. Um, he was kind of trying to do an anti gag strip for a while. It was sort of short panels, surreal punchlines, that kind of thing, and it suddenly became this kind of bit like Yes Hive Overlord? Yeah, a bit like Yes Hive Yes Hive Overlord. Um, and it kind of slowly became this sort of very rich, wonderful, bountiful idiom of weird funny that I respond to. I mean they've got jokes about Xboxes in seventeenth century Wales and that's kind of on the that's intersection the of the Venn diagram of my interests. I mean, if there's two things I like, it's old whales and fucking getting some Xbox on. It raises more questions than it answers. It does, but honest. let's not analyse me now. No, no. Mr. Hart, recommend something funny. Um, so, going a little bit off-piste, the Authority Kev comics. Right. So this is from way back when. Well, okay. Like 2009, 2010? Oh, much earlier. Much earlier than that. No, because they were still coming out when we were at Borders and I... No, no, oh fuck. God, You're I... very old. Yeah. We left We left that place a long time ago. Yeah, okay, You're sorry. You're free now. These are... I'm so fucking Early free. to mid-2000s. Yeah, uh, 2005, I think. <clears throat> no, I think about it. So... I was eight years old. The authority is... <laughs> it's not true, but I am very young. For a moment, I believed it. Yeah. The authority is... And I saw how weary you looked. Look <laughs> <laughs> all the grey hair poking through. The authority is this kind of 
superficially po-faced, gritty, hyper-violent, yada, 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 superhero team. It's always had a sense of humour because it was kicked off by Morales, picked up by, was it Mark Miller? Mark Miller, Miller. yeah. Like, people that do gritty and amused write, the author- write and wrote the authority. That's fine. And then some of them... Was it, who's oh, it got folded into mainstream DC now. It's, it's uh, which part is of the total team. bullshit. Yeah, I know. I know. But the, um, the Kev series is... It was a series of three, I think, short, um, short stories on the authority. Um, Kev, Kev the Magnificent and something else. And they were like three to six issue runs on the show. And Kev is a thwarted British Army squaddy who is a fairly traditional kind of farting and pints caricature bloke. Like like ninety percent of Garth and his characters, he is an ex SAS guy from who was operating in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. Yeah, but he was shit at being in the SAS. Oh yeah. So he's got the same backstory as Desolation Jones, basically. He got drunk and shat himself a lot, except he doesn't get tied to a chair and made into something. Um, and he is also a seething homophobe and encounters Apollo and the Midnighter, the gay couple Superman-Batman analogue in um, The Authority, and ends up going on a series of ridiculous, somewhat slapstick adventures. It's the, it's the, the Kev stories are the comedy relief in The Authority universe, and they are genuinely funny. Uh, frequently madly surreal, one of the, um, in, in one of the stories, there is a giant genie thing that throws custard pies at people and has like a spring-mounted tail that it hops around the space station now, yelling, I'm a vagina, and punching people. Uh, it's just bizarre. It's important to announce when you're a vagina. Yeah. He doesn't even... I mean, I'm, this is not my special area. The, the, but the first time it's a lot of people's were, special uh, areas, but, but it's not but yours. I, but I don't think he looks like a vagina. <laughs> it's not... It, it, it's, it's super camp, but it's not an out-and-out out spoof. It still sits within... What I like about it is it, it, it's dark as balls, but it sits within the world of the authority. These people are just all dicks. There are well-structured jokes. The stories are themselves funny. So I think... I mean, that that's broadly true of a lot of Garth Ennis stuff from around that time. Like Preacher has a lot of humour in it, while... Yeah, Preacher's going. kind of crap. It's crap in hindsight. Everyone loves it when they're a young kid. Or... Yeah, it's a... It's a 15-year-old pseudo-libertarian empowerment wank fantasy that happens to have some bursts of good writing. Yeah, it's a Garth Ennis comic. Yeah. Yeah. A Garth Ennis pseudo-libertarian wank fantasy, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, interesting you touched on sort of stuff that sits in canon but is sort of slightly removed and daft. Because mm. there's a lot of stuff like that that, that I really enjoy. Well, Waha in Marvel. Yeah, there's the, the, yeah, not Brand X and all of the... Yeah. All of the stuff that sort of sits aside. Um, Strange Tales as well. Uh, is it Strange Tales or Strange Adventures? I think it's Strange Tales. But um, there's a really, really good um, Craven from Spider-Man story that Kate Beaton did in one of those. Oh, that sounds it's amazing. Just, it's just so, so funny. Well, I mean, um, the Goon creates its own one of these as it goes in that it, yeah, it's never it, wholly serious but has enough of a serious structure that it's self-needling feels like that. Yeah, it gradually builds its own idiom as well, which is great. Idioms um, are what makes funny yeah. funny. Certainly in long-form stuff, it's... yeah. That's why I hate conventional comedy. Mm. But there's, because um, instead of idioms, they have sort of cheap catchphrases, which are sort yes. of a passing attempt to cash in on the same thing without any of the emotional resonance, any of the enjoyment, any of the investment. Yes, minimum viable. Yeah. Oft, often the case in sort of comedy sequels in films as well, where you have something... Like, um, like the first Austin Powers film, 
genuinely great, has its own weird idiom. Second film, idiom becomes catchphrase, and it all mm-hmm. becomes far less. It becomes a series of flashcards saying laugh now because this is Austin Powers. Do, yeah. do what was funny last time with more poop jokes. Yeah. 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 Well, also, more than that, kind of a, like, conventionally structured jokes just don't interest me. The knock-knock joke. It's not that there aren't funny ones, but it's just not doing enough. Sure. So one thing I like is... Um, You're also always the victim of a knock-knock joke. Yeah. Which I don't like. It encourages a culture of victim blaming. Yeah. You mean that the outside world is coming to your door with its terrible and logic defying... I think what defying... I mean is you're always on the back foot in a knock-knock joke as the enjoyer of it. You're not... And you're the, expected the humor to that, The humour that works for me is the stuff, actually, I'm going to make a serious point about this, even though I said something fucking fatuous a minute ago. Um, the great thing about stuff that's genuinely long-term funny is that it draws you in, it gets mm. you emotionally bought into what's going on through other means and that makes it more funny and knock-knock jokes aren't that. Yeah. This is now the weirdest digression we've had. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of on topic. Oh, it, it, it is, but... I also think it's true. Hmm? Thank you, I said something insightful, I can go home now. Oh, no, you can't. Oh. That's the real joke. Oh. <laughs> the real joke is we never stop recording, the microphone's never off. The real joke is my handbrake is unfit for purpose. <laughs> Just to clarify, this is the handbrake in your car. You haven't been fitted with one. Oh, God, <laughs> yes, I have. Weak yes. ankles, terribly Fucking weak doing ankles. doing donuts in the parking lot of Tesco's <laughs> constantly. Just running around. Handbrake running around. turns on foot. Just making a sort of... noise as you tear around. Crunk. Brilliant. Yeah. I like She-Hulk. The modern so that, that She-Hulk. that is a good example. Great. I mean, yeah, it's sort of... What if you gave Alan McBeal the Marvel continuity to fuck around in, but it was actually good? Single female lawyer fighting for, for her clients, wearing sexy miniskirts and being self-reliant. So I can do The Simpsons and no one knows it, but you guys can do fucking Futurama in, in tune with harmonies. That wasn't fuck harmonies. You guys. That was not fuck harmony. you guys. I sing in a chorus, you went to a choir school, those ain't no harmonies. <laughs> Well, I'm going to auto-tune you, so fuck you. Um, She-Hulk, yeah, it is basically that. They they take a character who is ostensibly a lawyer, but they've always been interested in the... turns into a great big green superhero bit and make her the lawyer for the Marvel Universe and just have weird shit um, around all of the Marvel characters and use it as a way to play around with the weird stuff from the 70s and 60s, and it's great fun. It's incredibly funny. Mm. Um it's written by Dan Slott, who is now on Superior Spider-Man, and everyone hates him, um, which is oh. good. I figure if I figure if the, the the masses are frothing at the mouth, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they are definitely frothing the mouth. He has to constantly post reminders not to send death threats because he's doing something remotely innovative, and the little kiddies don't like it. Yeah, fuck him. So I mean, we have we have talked about. Um, Things that we think are funny, broadly speaking, within the comics we're reading anyway, or within a slightly odd idiom, or somewhat postmodern. I have neglected to do my homework and haven't really read any straight-up funny stuff. You know, stuff that aggressively positions itself as comedy or yeah. has that kind of more overt joke structure. Uh, so I'm just like lazily harking back to stuff that I happen to have read that wrinkled up my desiccated mouth. Um, I mean, I. Going back to the thing that I know anything about, I consider Bad Machinery to be broad comedy. That's 
that seems to be the writing John Allison is getting at. It's the stuff he's best at as well. Again, idiom. Very, yeah. very much. Very idiomatic. Um, so, so it's still in that, that place that kind of slowly builds something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still in that place, but it's... Oh, fuck. It's, it's not... I think it is intended to be comedy, and that's very much what it's doing. With Acord, I'm not sure what the intent is. I think the intent is to be super weird as well as to be very funny. Is there anything... What, what do you find, from a comedy point of view, interesting about how Bad Machinery works? I don't think it's particularly interesting. It's just an extraordinarily well-executed example of someone doing that right. thing. It's somebody who's just so completely comfortable with the internal grammar of their idiom. Mm. So there's a couple of things about it that I find interesting. One is that it um, it does the sort of sarky teens thing very well without mm-hmm. without writing them as adults. And with a slightly weird angle as well. Yeah. It's always... It's not quite positioned dead on the middle of teens there. These guys are weird teens. Yeah, there's something, there's something slightly off about it. But one thing that they also do brilliantly is that uh, the second punchline... Um, the second punchline is the thing, that, the thing that's always wrong with Control Alt Dell. They can never finish the joke in the right place. Hmm. Bad machinery somehow will always have a one punchline which could happily finish it, and then another one that also works. Mm-hmm. Well, SKCD went through a phase of doing the joke, then thinking that they were amplifying the joke by explaining the joke, which is pretty much canonically ruining the joke. Yeah. Apart from that one blog post I did about Aikwood where I explained the joke, that was funny. Yeah. You should read it. I have. Not I hear you. It's, I hear it's got I'm sad, talking to the microphone. Here it's got sad cat bonus. It has got sad cat bonus. I mean, that's. I mean, we've all touched on marketing in our, our real jobs. And I think the phrase sad cat bonus is kind of like. I don't want to give away too much, but it's basically the magic key to selling everything. It's an SEO oh, gold mine. Yeah. The, the click through I get for sad cat bonus. You click through to a lot of sad cat bonus. That's basically what you click through to. Droopy and spiky in equal measure. Just gifts and a constantly playing sad trombone. Have you guys seen the picture of Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air wearing a crown in space surrounded by several large penises? What? (laughs) I should totally fucking look at that thing. What would I Google to get from it? I think I'm just about to ruin my Google history. (laughs) Why? Did, why? I think Carlton's space penis would work. Why am this? Okay, it's not auto-filling yet, but it's still not auto-filling. This is this is. It knows you said stuff. a rude one. It does. Yeah, hang on. No, apparently no, not. No, it's none of those. Have you got no, a I've got a. I've, no, I don't. I don't think so. I've got a, a, a screenshot from Leprechaun in space. Um, there's a picture. There is a picture of Carlton Banks from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, this is this is terrible. I, you should go looking for what? it. It's a thing of beauty. I, somebody Context. posted it on Twitter, I think, and I was just like, "Well, that's the most beautiful and distressing <laughs> thing I've ever seen." Okay. Well then. Well then. Um, okay, amazing. so if you. If you Google Carlton Space Penis Crown, <laughs> if you Google that, the first result you get is Princess Charlotte of Wales. <laughs> what? So, 
I mean, we've been pretty informative, haven't we? We've been pretty informative people. Yeah. Mr. Conbury, do you, do you have any, any thoughts on more straight-up comic works? Uh, so, Mackie's, as, as I've said before, is something that I would recommend to anyone with a slightly off-kilter sense of humour. Um, it's delightfully weird. I think you have to sit and read a lot of it, but it is, it is really, really good. It's, it's online at TonyMillionaire.com. It's also available as some very fancy uh, hardbacks from Fantagraphics. Mm, they are nice. Um, they don't fit on the shelf, though. One thing that was suggested on Twitter when we were talking about this was um, DR and Quinch. Which I'm not is, familiar with that. It's an old 2000 AD strip. It's one of Alan Moore's very earliest. Um, and DR and Quinch are basically 1950s juveniles hmm. uh, in the sort of Americana, um, American graffiti sense. But they're horrible aliens. And they, um, yeah, they fly around in something that looks like a Chevy. They fuck stuff up. They steal beer. It's incredibly puerile, but it's really quite amusing um, pretty much any of the Milligan and McCarthy comics there's a sort of anarchic fun to them although they're not again explicitly humour um, there's too much coffee man which is oh I didn't get on with that occasionally funny not something I always find funny. likewise I really so I really struggled wow I'm sorry I found it I'm sorry you found <laughs> I it found it can we put it in the show notes <laughs> yes <laughs> One of them's black. <laughs> Very black. It's hiding in the corner. You can't see exit space. Oh, God. So one of the things I really struggled with was um, The Tick. I really like the... I like the TV show much more than I like the comic. I'm sorry just, to say. So despite loving things like The Venture Brothers and Invader Zim, I found The Tick's refusal to make sense a real problem. I don't think that was ever an issue with the show, but... I only, I only read sort of the first six issues of the original run, which were about an angry samurai who looked suspiciously like Steven Seagal trying to get a sword through an airport by baking it into a baguette and <laughs> bludgeoning people with it to death over the course of the series and occasionally observing that more of the bread had fallen off and it was increasingly poor as a disguise and that you could see that it was just a sword covered in bread, which... I like the absurdity of running that joke out over a couple of issues. That was that was good. Um, plus, the original tick was a response to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and a lot of the really ridiculous sort of post-Watchmen ultra-violent comics that mm. were around at the time. Um, and it was just it was really an absurdist take on that. And when it, when Ben Edlund brought it back in the sort of 2004, 2005. Well, that's when um, I, so I still got a bunch of the singles from, from then. It had kind of lost its purpose then. It was mm. still sort of, it was worth the of an odd chuckle, but I think the originals with the context of the time mm. work a lot better. And I think just the fact that it's a young guy who really doesn't give a fuck printing comics on shitty paper and just, just to get them out there yeah. was, it was, it was worth it. Um, it was much better. Um, I didn't... Yeah, so if you've only read the, the sort of revived ones, it's worth going back and finding the originals. Mm. So, it's kind of... Humor, humor's enormously subjective, um, and it's kind of hard to know where to go for these things. So there's a lot of long-form stuff that is funny that's not necessarily explicitly humor. Um, 
which I think we've sort of gone into, people like Garth Ennis, Garth Ennis Warren Ellis, um, Jeff Smith, um, and Johan Vasquez, they all write mm. sort of funny, long-form comics that are also the other stuff. But I think, sort of broadly speaking, a lot of sort of funny comics have been three-panel strips from, from newspapers, and sometimes those have been longer. Things like, like, so we'll get lynched if we don't mention Calvin and Hobbes. I think Calvin and Hobbes yeah. is the go-to funny for a lot of people. You don't like it. I don't understand it. Oh, basically, there's a kid and there's this tiger, and the tiger's not actually real, but in his imagination, I think I'm actually going to get lynched now. Yeah. So, so it's uh, a comic about a child having a mental breakdown. Just so imagination is part of the magic of childhood, not always indicative of serious mental disorder. I should point out. Okay. But I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I know. Uh, no, yeah, I, that, that kid is fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's no, crazy. I, 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 do, I, I know what the premise of Calvin Hobbes is. I just kind of... I, it, it doesn't strike any kind of chord. Maybe it came to it too late. I just... It feels like it's trying really hard to be charming, but not really delivering anything, for me at least. So I think it's 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 something that resonates with our generation because it was early 90s. Our um, generation? Well, you know, me and him, we're old, you're not. So it's so for me, it's completely outside of my cultural moment. I've yeah. had no exposure to it. Yeah. Well, it probably would have ended when you were quite young. Mm. Um, but so in the in that sort of so there were there were other things that I read as a kid that were humour. Like I read a lot of Asterix. Um, and Asterix like is funny. The Beano and the Beano uh, is not funny. Two thousand AD is pretty funny. Two thousand AD is funny. Um, not everything in two thousand AD is funny, but Judge Dredd is a laugh riot. Yes. If you like. Wry subversive violence, and I do. The Beano is funnier than the Dandy somehow. It's not a sort of good thing, but it's the Dandy always felt like someone had like badly misunderstood an American sense of humour and then made an even worse job of importing it to Britain. Yes, it was for the benefit of your granddad, who also didn't really understand it. Yeah, the Dandy always felt like something that your older relatives were expected to buy you for Christmas and you were never actually expected to do anything more than smile politely and tuck it away somewhere. Mm. Which was my literal experience of consuming the Dandy. Actually, I read it weekly for a period of years as a child. I read the Beano weekly for a period of child, and I had no idea why. I didn't actually like it. No, I read them both. It didn't make me laugh. It barely interested me. I have no idea why I had a huge stack of them. Well, I had quite a nice childhood. I think what we're saying here is that, is that you two had miserable childhoods. Oh, fucking um, dreadful. Wasn't great. I had a lovely time. Um, I enjoyed the Beano. Asterix more, though. No, Asterix was great. It's really cool. And the translation. <laughs> I just want to take a moment to just... God, the translation for Asterix. Making, making the pun names funny in English, making the vibe and the tone and the poise of the lines, just whoever, whoever translated Asterix is a genius. It's the same translator still, like even now with the most recent one with Asterix and the Picts, it's still the same translator. Really? I don't know her name, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, well, it's had a consistent translator for the majority of them. Well, fucking good work. Yeah, bravo. I mean, I'm assuming it's funny in French. Probably. I mean, they, seem, like to, they seem to like it. Mm. Their language is very given to them. Hence the, the, the Karambar. Yeah. But anyway, a lot, a lot of the stuff that I found funny growing up was in the sort of newspaper strips. And so stuff like Bloom County, I really liked Doonesbury when I understood it. That's the thing, so um, I've picked up... Are they still running 
Doonesbury and the Guardian. Doonesbury will never stop. In the G2. Gary Trudeau is never going to die. Doonesbury is always going to continue. So I used to pick it up from time to time in the Guardian because that's the kind of twat I am. And um, I just didn't fucking understand what was going on. And this is as an adult. A lot of the time you won't because it's... Is it, a, is it story It's long running. The story arcs are still there. Um, but at least in Doonesbury, Hunter S. Thompson is still alive. But I think the natural sort of place for that, because the new, the, those sections in newspapers have died, they're tiny now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's web comics now, really, isn't it? Yes, it has migrated to the web. It feels like there's, yeah, there's, as we were discussing, there's comedy in context. So there's the old three... funny books and old funny books are now the web, I guess. It's often still the three panel structure. Mm-hmm. Um, often just as shit. True, but you don't have to read it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of really bad stuff out there. There's also a lot of really great stuff. I love Wondermark. Wondermark feels like it could have run in a newspaper. In fact, God, it probably does, because hipster newspapers. Bespoke, free-range newspapers. Mm. Um, I love that newspapers. There were a couple of others we were talking about earlier that you guys particularly like that sort of fit into that yeah. newspaper strip idiom. So there's... I've got to stop saying idioms too much. There's the grim humour of a softer world. Yeah. Softer world I really like. Um, and again, that's that's usually three panels, and it's just it's a punch <laughs> in the gut, but it is funny. Uh, then there's poorly drawn lines, which genuinely makes me laugh. It's also just very charming, mm. which I like. It's got cats in space. So I first encountered um, poorly drawn lines with um, Ain't Nobody Fucks the Tiny Hippo. Oh, that's oh. Tiny Hippo as well. Yeah. Tiny Hippo is one of, I mean... That's, it was that's something just like, a masterpiece well, the structure of the Tiny is, Hippos. It's broadly speaking, Tiny Hippo tried to do a thing, but Tiny Hippo couldn't. Tiny Hippo tried harder. Tiny Hippo cut some bitches with a Stanley knife. Ain't nobody fucks with Tiny Hippo. Mm-hmm. But it just gradually progresses on. The thing Badly Drawn Lines does really well is it takes a very twee idiom, and its visual idiom is very twee. It's the it's same thing as sparse. Have You Seen My Hat? Yeah, yeah which is... Uh, who's the writer-artist on that? I'm thinking there's a lot of J's and K's in the name. That's not helping, but... Yeah, yeah, good old Jojo Cahoozits. Um, (laughs) What the fuck? Sorry, sorry, hat guy, but... That guy, that hat guy. It's a great book, I love your book, hat guy. I'm sorry about the name problem. But taking taking something that's that's very much taken from children's books Mm -hmm. and uh, subverting it gently. And yeah, it's got that idiom and it normally... Yeah, flips it at the end or just does something horrible. Mm-hmm. So the most recent one... Um, it's it's also the Perry Bible Fellowship thing, is it not? Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, so I think Perry Bible Fellowship, before it took, went on hiatus, had started to get a little bit formulaic with its mm-hmm. awfulness, but it was still incredibly funny. There was um, a great comic in... a uh, webcomic when I was at uni called Men in Hats. And I think I started That's vile, yeah. And it's just, again, it, it's little joke strips. And I complained the other about not liking conventional jokes. Maybe I do like them if they're awful enough. So my, the one that just stuck with me about Men in Hats, and it, it's blokes in, in tall hats looking a little bit Amish or maybe kind of like sort of niche, niche American Christian community sort of vibe. And I think some of them are priests. They're, they're, they're in the desert. They're very sketchily drawn. And um, it almost looks like someone's uh, made three or four vector drawings and then t- change them the smallest amount well gosh and one of them the, the, one of the absolute funniest is, is just the, the panel it's, the first one is something like what are you doing and then the second one is what does it look like and a guy shoving a church <laughs> and 
then the punchline is you can't push that church off a cliff. And the final panel is the church going off the edge of the cliff and the guy just saying, clearly I can. <laughs> and it's full of jokes. Like, you can't catch paint. Splash. Lead-based paint. And it's just... <laughs> So this is—it's just awful. This is one of the great things about about it's, having. It's, it works because the horribleness unwinds. It, it's that decompilation step of the joke. It's one of the great things about having um, the web for this stuff and, and being able to sort of have a sometimes sustainable business around these comics is that they can be much much more unpleasant and much mm. weirder than. You know, Ain't some, no publishing standards to adhere to. Yeah, there's, there's, you don't have to worry about how many newspapers you're syndicated in or anything like that. Yeah, you're probably not going to get rich off it. Um, you might be able to make a living if you're lucky. The terrifying, the terrifying thing is that that Jim Davis has all of the money. Um, people really like Garfield. Yeah. So one thing we haven't mentioned is Peanuts, which is also an old newspaper strip, so which I, I also don't like. Not familiar enough with Peanuts the comic, although I've watched a lot of the TV show. I also think it's too charming to be interesting. The TV show is very, very different. Um, the TV show takes a lot of the underlying darkness of um, Peanuts out of it. Okay. I mean, the, the joy of Peanuts is that they're always kids in basically adult situations. Um, and... There's just something joyous about the sort of play-acting version of essentially quite adult mm-hmm. stuff. It's a lot more subversive than I think people noticed at the time. Also, or at least publishers noticed at the time. The reason it was popular was it was getting away with that stuff. Yeah, beagles. Also beagles. And people love beagles. And yeah, they're, they're cute. And Woodstock, the bird. Beagles are really cute. So if someone has to read a funny comic, let's say that we've got a gun to their head and, and they have to laugh... It's, it's going to be web comics, isn't it? Acord, hands down. If if there's a gun to their head and they have to laugh, I suspect between thirty and seventy percent of people won't and will thus be dead. But we've killed the right ones, you know. Right. We've killed the ones who just aren't going to enjoy Acord. I probably used the wrong way of phrasing that because you seem to be seizing upon this as an opportunity to launch a sort of cull, horrible cull, yeah, sort of cultural genocide type thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Mr. Hart, same question. No gun. Um, probably next wave. I can't believe we didn't speak about next wave. Next wave is funny as fuck, and it's got also that giant gun with Dirk Anger's having a nervous breakdown. Yeah, they weren't allowed to use Nick Fury, so they have a character called Dirk Anger. It's brilliant. Um, Fucking love next wave. It's the best thing. Yeah, Jesus. everyone, everyone, read next wave if you have even the faintest. It's got Modoc. Glimmer of joy in your heart. It's got. It's got Modoc. It has got Modoc. It's got Modoc. You like Modoc? I do like Modoc. And Modoc. It's and Devil Dinosaur and a Baby Modoc and Elvis Modoc. Anyway, Mr. Convery, what about you? If you have to make someone laugh through the medium of comics and or violence dance. and threats, dance. Uh, next, next one's a good choice, but it's niche. Um, again, I think I'm probably going to say Wondermark because it nails my sense of humour pretty well. It's just fucking ridiculous, and they have a brilliant comic about Batman. They do. They, I like that one. I've read it. Okay. I do love Kate Beaton as well. Oh, Kate Beaton. Kate Beaton. See, this is the thing. Funny we could just we mm. could just reel off shit tons of stuff. Like a load of the stuff Matt Fraction writes is incredibly funny yeah. as well. Yeah. Is is that You're what our listeners gonna... want? Yeah, maybe. Just lists. Maybe of just things. lists. I mean, people. Probably... It's it's link bait for your ears. If they've ever if they've ever clicked Ear through bait. to something on BuzzFeed, then yeah. these if... three twats recorded a podcast. But what happened next? Yeah. You I've won't believe. Already tried that. No one clicked that shit. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think... A single probably... mother found this podcast in her attic and paid $30 an hour from home. <laughs> Other comics podcasts hate them. Probably true. Yeah, As do doctors for further reasons. <laughs> so yes. Humour. Subjective. Isn't that a pain? There's a load of funny shit out there. Kate Beaton. I can't believe we didn't mention Kate Beaton up till this point. We haven't mentioned The Far Side. It's Everyone good, it's funny. Side. It's not really a comic. It's got wolves. It's right. But it's, it's pictures with ducks. words. It does have ducks and fat people with glasses. Mm. And, Predominantly. Um, don't like those ones. Okay, that's fine. Okay, you don't have to. Is that alright? Do you like the jokes about Diane Fossey? No, I do. I is. do. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's okay. She likes She's... gorillas. She's yeah. a gorilla lady. Okay. Not the gorilla lady, maybe. Who's the other gorilla lady? The gorillas and the Jane nest Goodall. lady. Jane Goodall. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Jane Goodall tramp comic that I'm thinking of anyway. Yeah. Apparently I know a lot of people who study primates and get them confused. <laughs> Women of a certain age who study primates even. .tumblr.com <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's just two posts there really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just those two. It's more of a reference site than a Tumblr. Although there is an excellent comic that called, uh, called Primates, uh, about mm. women who study primates. Really? Mm-hmm. Is it funny? A bit. Okay. Wow. Well, we've given a comprehensive coverage of all the humour. We have, humor. yes. Everything we've not mentioned here is definitively not funny. Yeah. I also like how we told every conceivable joke during yeah. during uh, the, this podcast. I mean, we thought that was going to be mathematically quite challenging, but we've really pulled it off. Yeah. I still haven't told the German marmalade one. You're not going to. No. I think you should. Okay. Okay. Well, you have to. You have to. You have to write to us on no, the Twitters. No. Together. No. No. You don't. You just tell the joke. You just have to. You just have to listen like twenty seconds past the end of the, the theme music, and it'll be there. So, in conclusion, some comics are funny, some aren't. Some are funnier than others. Your mileage may vary. Good night. Adios. What's the difference between jam and marmalade? Dunno. I can't marmalade my cock down your throat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not comfortable with how rapey it is, but it is a good joke. I had another good one that wasn't rapey, but I forgot it.